0: the Brood 10 podcasts made possible by support from Mount St. Joseph University School of Behavioral and Natural Sciences, cultivating an understanding and appreciation of the creative and critical nature of scientific thought. Climb higher at the Mount. Learn more at msj.edu. Welcome back to the Brew 10 Cicada Podcast from Cincinnati Public Radio. I'm WVXU reporter Corey Sharber. The Brew 10 emergence is already winding down as we hear less and less cicada calls outside our windows each day. So, in our final episode, it's time to review how did it go? For our final interview, I'm again joined by Dean of Behavioral and Natural Sciences, as well as a professor in the Department of Biology at Mount St. Joseph University here in Cincinnati, and PhD of entomology, Dr. Gene Kritsky. He's got fascinating updates about just how many people engage with his crowdsourced cicada mapping efforts during this emergence. Gene, how are you doing? I'm doing well, thank you. So, unfortunately, this will be the last time we talk, but luckily, all the information you've parlayed over these past episodes will definitely last us a lifetime, or at least the next 17 years. But, um, speaking of 17 years, um, the you've been um, involved with the CK to Safari app, um, and you've been doing field work during a, a global pandemic. Um, it, it's just, I assume, like, the workload has just been crazy, you know, trying to prepare for this emergence whilst the world is trying to get everything back to normal. Um And of course, since this is our last podcast in the series, let's talk about what you discovered during the 2021 emergence of brood 10. What was the focus of your research this year, building upon all the research you've done previously?
1: Mm -hmm. Well, most of my research in the past has always been geared towards understanding the distribution of the broods and try to get a feel for um, the relationship of adjacent broods to each other. And uh, so the primary thing is to map out where brood 10 was. And our plan was to uh, uh, use this app uh, and, and, crowdsourcing to go about, uh, um, mapping out the distribution. Uh, Jesse and I have got been out now on several occasions, uh, to physically drive through Northern Kentucky, Southeastern, uh, Indiana and nor- North of Cincinnati and, uh, and so on to find where the cicadas are because, well, we miss them. <laughs> <laughs> if, uh, if you're a cicada researcher and you don't have those days where you're in the field and you're, surrounded by this incredible cacophony that just never stops. <laughs> it you you walk away missing it. And uh and last year in 20 in the year 2020, uh we uh, went to visit brood 9 and we got caught up in a storm so it wasn't very mm-hmm. loud and what have you and we did a, a sort of a, a 48-hour trip because we were very concerned about covid and, and staying at places that were safe and so on and on the way back from the first trip that we had that was very it was successful at, with all the minimal goals accomplished uh, we looked at each other and said we're not satisfied. So we went back exactly a week later mm. and that's when the sun was out and they were screaming and it was great. So we have to get that, that cicada fix. And, uh, uh, for, I hope that some of the listeners will know that, uh, once you've been in the middle of a big cicada course and you've got that, you, that you walk in and you close the doors and you still hear them and you see or hear them and you middle of the night, you wake up think, I'm still hearing them. Uh, that's the cicada fix and you've got to get that, uh, get it out of your system for at least... 17 years it seems like you've dealt with a similar
0: issue a lot of people were dealing with during the pandemic which is like having to completely readjust your your typical workflow like for me my experience as a reporter i had never i mean i had done some reporting from home i hadn't done all of my reporting from home i wasn't literally like writing stories on my couch or like interviewing people like through through a webcam um how did you like adjust um to continue your research um, last year, like, what was what was that adjustment like?
1: Well, it was basically yeah, working. And, and, and last year in particular was dealing with the reports coming into Cicada Safari, as well as then following up uh, that uh, on reports that seem strange. One of the neat things we can do with that is I can contact the people who submitted the photographs to verify: were you really at that place when you saw the cicadas? And uh, that, and, and you know, people who are using the app are they want to get involved with citizen science and they're willing to help and. Uh, one of the neat things is the, the discovery of cicadas emerging in a place where you hadn't expected them and that they were there. And they've probably been there all along, but just no one has taken the time to tell someone like me. <laughs> <laughs> what was How
0: different was this year um, from when you studied Brew10 in 2004? Obviously, a lot has changed in 17 years. We all have a computer in our pocket. Um, everything is somehow connected to the internet. My microwave is somehow connected to the internet. I, I still haven't gotten to the bottom
1: of that. But like, how how, how is this year different from... From well, 2004. Uh, Corey, you're right. Uh, yeah, we didn't have an iPhone until 2007. Yeah. And so it was a very different experience. They relied on emails. Mm-hmm. And uh, because of the, uh, the limited capability of getting the word out there, not everybody had email in 2004 as well. So it was a very, our mapping effort was not as widespread. I focused uh, on Indiana and uh, Ohio in particular. My colleagues in other parts of the, uh, the country worked on their states. And that's how we got all the, this mapping information. Uh, it, uh, that was a very different uh, scenario. But the, one of the things that came out of it was how accurate uh, people who wanted to participate were giving accurate information. And uh, then the question was, how do we go about verifying it? And uh, the technology wasn't there yet. But uh, it, uh, it was clear that uh, having uh, – with, with the advent of digital photography and, as you say, the computer in your pocket, uh, it, uh, it, it, it changed everything. And Of course, you, you attempted
0: to you know, learn more about the distribution of Brew10 using the Cicada Fari app. Like how, how did the app get created? I mean it's, 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 such, a, it's such a specific app – for a very specific purpose. It, did, did that intrigue more people than you believed it would have at
1: first? Well, it's possible. The, the, the app itself came out of, of a natural evolution. Uh, in 87, I mapped out Brew 10 with a hotline telephone and tape and uh, writing down people's addresses and driving. I remember driving down uh, the different streets to find cicadas. And uh, in 2004, I was getting emails and and we saved all of the emails, so that's in a, a folder. So we got, I've got, but I didn't have to retranscribe. That was the big thing, <laughs> the change. But still, we didn't have uh, verifiable ways I would get an email. But were they really cicadas there? The uh, breakthrough uh, uh, for it came with the acceleration of Brood 10 in 2017, and that was when I I, I wrote a, re- a web page and a website and asked people to. Uh, uh, gave them instructions on how to turn on their GPS or location services via an iPhone and take a picture and send it to me with the, uh, of what you see with the, this cadence. And that was the, that was the, that worked so well, uh, for uh, the acceleration of, of Brood 10 in 2017. And then what I didn't expect were people sending me videos and so, you know, and the videos were the calling and it was like, whoa, that's really cool. Uh, that that gave us a whole level of of, of uh, information that I didn't expect, and I mentioned it in passing to our associate provost for technology at, at Mount Saint Joe, Alex, and uh, uh, he came to me a few weeks later and said, "We want to we want to make this app," and I was flabbergasted because you know this is not something. Uh, <laughs> why? <laughs> Even I asked why. And, uh, and there are the, 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 idea is that the part of the mounts of uh, focus is to become a beacon to the region. And, uh, uh we felt, uh, that, uh, an app that engaged people's interests in cicadas would give us an opportunity to be that beacon. We'd also be able to do some public education through what cicadas are doing and so on. And, uh, it evolved from there. And, uh, we tested it with brood eight and brood nine and, uh, uh it was uh, developed by uh, i worked with students actually mapped this thing out and uh, we got it all laid out then we hired we hired two companies uh, uh accepted bids from two companies to actually develop it because they're never on time <laughs> and we had to have it in our hands by the 15th of april 2 years ago or we weren't going to be able to get data yeah to test and i didn't want to do i didn't want to create an app and then roll it out for brood 10 Mm-hmm. <laughs> I expected Brood 10 to be much larger. Yeah. And so Brood 8, we had 5,700 some records that we verified. And uh, last year with Brood 9 and the uh, off-cycle acceleration is just, just shy of 8,000. It looked great. You know, so it just sort of moved that way. And then the uh, the addition of video was an option really made this uh, an exciting uh, changeover. So it was uh, it, it, it's basically a lot of, uh, uh, I think, uh, uh, a lot of cooperation, a lot of people who don't think small. We're a small university, but we don't think small. Mm. And, uh, to do what we do and, uh, we defined what would be success. And we were, we had this going forward. So we thought we'd, we'd run with it.
0: And, and you mentioned like you had something like 5,700, um, submissions, like during Brood, Brood 8. Um, however, Brood 10, of course, has gotten a ton of, of coverage this year. I mean, you've, you've been talking to different organizations all across the country about it. Um, I mean, there's, it seems like every day you see a story about the Brute yeah. Cicada. How how many people have submitted photos or videos through the app just That's this year alone? I'd assume oh. it's surp. You know every hey, all the other years it,
1: it surprises. Let's put it mildly. Uh, as of uh, today, we have 184 thousand people have downloaded the app,
0: hmm.
1: and we are at, uh, about a thousand people a day are still downloading it. Yeah. So uh, I don't know if we'll make uh, 200 thousand, but we're we're going to be close. Uh, that that startles us. Uh, we were we had defined success if we had fifty thousand photographs, and uh, two more in two to th- you know, in two, I'd say two or three more days, we will have over a half a million photographs. <laughs> so,
0: <laughs> is that is that stressful to think about? I mean, it's like that's a lot of data you have to go through and verify. Yes.
1: Well, even though it's a half million photographs, what's really impressive to me is I've got this. I've got a group of colleagues uh, and at, at the Mount, uh, also at the University of Maryland, who are helping and students. That are working with us, uh, we've already looked at four hundred thousand. Oh man, of those photographs, we're only behind by about seventy thousand right now, and we're 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 covering about twenty thousand photographs per day. And now that the the emergence is moving along, we've gone from having you know thirty seven thousand photographs in one day to about eleven thousand mm. last night. and That was yesterday's count. That's still a lot. Yeah, but, uh, your eyeballs must be popping out everyone's it, heads. It's, and, this, and the app itself has become a major uh, news event. Uh, it's been—I've uh, had interviews with the BBC uh, about the app uh, just this last week. Uh, uh, the Journal Science featured the app in a, a news story, and so uh, it's—it's—it's it's, it's been one of these things that I, that's rather gratifying at the university because it's—it's it's allowed us to, to stretch flex our muscles, and expand what we think we want to do. And so we're already talking about what's the next best thing and what do we want to mm-hmm. do next. This may not be cicada-based, uh, really, but other areas we can turn on this, this technology to because we now know we can make an app. We now know we can make an app that can uh, engage uh, almost 200,000 people to send us a half a million items. And so, but that kind of experience, we that's something we can we can build on.
0: And of course, like, you know, you have all, all of this, all of this data getting submitted, all of these people downloading the app. What, what has been the biggest surprise uh, with the app so far?
1: Are you surprised by just like how much it's grown in such a short period of time? Uh, two things. One, how much it's grown. Uh, definitely, that that we didn't expect the outcome that we had. Uh, but what really surprised me is, is how we have responded, how my my colleagues have responded. Because I'm just the face. You know, I thought of doing this. out. I'm citing the cicadas. There are people out there uh, that are working on uh, my project managers, uh, uh, Jackie and Brooke, and our programmer Andrew. You know, they're anticipating events. You know, we we had one day last month where 8,000 people were using Cicadas for at the exact same moment. <laughs> <laughs> you can't, you know, it's like, we only have 2,000 students at the Mount and we have 8,000 people <laughs> using the app at the same time. And to anticipate how this is going to happen and how you modify the technology and make it sure that it's keep going uh, is was really, I was, they did some very uh, ingenious things and, uh, and it worked. With all these people taking
0: part in it, you know, I'd assume that's definitely aided your research dramatically what you know what's the most interesting thing you've observed this year that you hadn't seen in previous emergencies
1: well the one thing that we've that, that's uh, been interest of focus of folks, as i said my interest is how the broods relate to each other we verified that indeed there are pockets of brood 14 which is expected in 25 are coming out now with brood 10 so we've documented accelerations we've also documented some off cycle uh, accelerations not not as intense as we saw last year, but we had some uh, emerging cicadas in Missouri. And we had some in uh, in Chicago. We also uh, surprise had our first emergence records from South Carolina. It doesn't you know cicadas don't don't follow state boundary lines. They don't understand property lines. But uh, and we thought they should be there, but, but people have never reported from South Carolina brood tens cicadas. But we we did get some. They were close to the North Carolina border, but they're still in South Carolina. Uh, then we have uh, uh, several uh, records from Alabama, where there were brood ten records, but not in in recent emergencies. And so, they're still hanging on there, which is kind of neat. Mm-hmm. And then, uh, uh, just in the last forty eight hours, I had my first uh, uh, records coming in from uh, New York, uh, and we were wondering, are they still there? And there are pockets of them still there. Not it's not uniformly all over the all over the state or the city, but uh, uh, they they they're there. Of course, we're approaching the end of this emergence.
0: What are you planning to do when it ends? Are you going to take a 17-year vacation or jump into the next brood that you're observing?
1: Corey, I'm going to the Disney World. <laughs> 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 no, <I> just, <laughs> is that before or after you win the Super Bowl? <laughs> no, it's uh, uh In all seriousness, uh, <laughs> we're preparing. The next best thing that we're preparing for uh, is we got two years to get ready for the next unusual thing that's going to happen. And that's going to be in, in the state of Illinois when brood 19 and brood uh, 13 emerge at the same time. I think I mentioned that in a previous podcast. And uh, that happens only once every 221 years for those two broods to emerge at the same time. And uh, we're looking at how we should modify uh, or what we can do with cicada safari to focus on the overlap zone to see, are they, are they, are they mating? Are they you know, How can we get that information if we can without physically being there? And we'll still physically be there, but it gets us more. It's confirmation material, and so uh, that's the next thing we're planning on. Uh,
0: And of course, the next Brew Ten emergence isn't until twenty thirty eight. By that point, I'll be forty one, so I'll definitely have hopefully greater appreciation for the bug. And (laughs) by the time I reach that age, Uh, you know, are you thinking about that emergence in 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 the next nearly two decades? You know, do you have any predictions for? how that
1: emergence will. Well, my hope is that uh, we'll, uh, we'll verify that indeed that the the map this year will be our foundation map to look at if in brood 10 is indeed in decline or not. I'll be 84. I'm planning on being here. And so uh, (laughs) (laughs) I want to see him again. And, and uh, I've always, there's been one entomologist uh, who uh, uh, almost made it to five. I'll be a, 101, I think, if I make it to the fifth one. I don't know if, I, if I'll if i do that. And if I, if I do, will I care? <laughs> <That's>, <laughs> but uh, uh, it's, uh, uh, we're going to be laying the foundation now to help us understand changes in Brood 10 over the next uh, uh, several years to come, several emergencies to come, I should say. Well, I'm definitely looking forward to all
0: the other emergencies, but of course, you know, I'll always have, Brood 10 will always have a special place in my heart. So I'm definitely looking forward to seeing you in my 40s. Uh, hopefully everything will you know, be as crazy as it is now. And, uh, by that point we'll be using our iPhone 20s to, to use the Cicada Safari app. So. Well, that pretty cool, wouldn't it? <laughs> yeah. Well, so we're at 12 now, so that'd be, uh, 29? I believe so. Hopefully, uh, man, 29. that's going to be expensive. That's <laughs> my medical bills, I can afford a phone. <laughs> but Gene, it's been, it's been an absolute pleasure doing this podcast So you. Thank you so much for educating, not just me, but everyone listening to this podcast about cicadas and, uh, Thank you very much for taking the time with us.
1: It's been great. I've enjoyed it. And thank you for helping help because it's helped uh, raise awareness of the app and brought in uh, several thousand records for us. And more work for you, but hey, more the merrier. That's what I do. <laughs> thank you very much. Thank you.
0: Now it's the time for the last listener-submitted question here at the Brood 10 Cicada Podcast. Now, while we won't be doing any more podcast episodes, you can still send us emails at broodx at wvxu.org. Those questions will be forwarded to our favorite host here, Gene Kritzky. He can answer all of your questions at his leisure. Now, for the final question, this comes from Joseph Kramer Jr. He says, one, I love the podcast and it's a Cicada Safari app. We love Your opinion, Joseph. Thank you very much. Question reads Hello, my interest in periodic cicadas is primarily as a fly fisherman. During the last emergence of Brood 10, the amount of insects in my local rivers, streams, and lakes made fishing the best in my life. Large predatory fish would move several feet to consume the cicadas. Could it be possible to collect or harvest cicadas and transfer them to different areas where periodic cicadas don't live? If the area has suitable habitat, temperature, and forage, would it be possible to stock cicadas on lakes and streams that don't have them? How would you go about doing this? Gene, what's your answer? Well,
1: it's difficult to stock the periodical cicadas. You need to transplant large quantities of eggs. And one of the questions is, how many eggs would that need to be before you reduce the number of eggs in location A that you're taking them from and take them to location B? Uh, it is possible to transplant cicadas. You take egg nests before the eggs have hatched. You keep them moist, put them in like little flower bud vases and things like that. And you can... Uh, uh, you, you got to monitor them. And as soon as they start hatching, you want to make sure you get them into the soil around a, a, an optimal tree. But the trouble is you've got to have that that critical mass, that critical number of cicadas or the predators will get them all. And uh, that's a little more of a difficult thing to do.
0: I will say I won't be touching any cicada eggs, so I'll just leave that to Joseph. But Gene, thank you so much for answering Joseph's question. Certainly. I'm going to add an addendum here. Okay. <laughs> so I think we were thinking if they're egg or larval stage, but let's say hypothetically somebody can just round up a ton of them that are like full force mating right now and just drive real fast to somewhere <laughs> where they aren't and just let them millions of them loose, what would happen? That's got to be impossible. They probably <laughs> they,
1: all die on the journey. They, you know? they, they don't live long after they've mated, so that female, it going to be relatively close by.
0: I'm saying like... They're able to, uh, and this is, yeah, this would be very difficult. Yeah. You're able to get two separate batches, males and females that haven't yet mated. <laughs> Drive. <laughs> and,
1: and, of course, the kicker is you've got to keep the females separate from other males to make sure they ha- they're virgin. Uh, that is doable. I have actually done that uh, taken virgin females and I uh, took uh, window screening and wrapped it around a branch and you put the females in there. And then, uh, uh when you're ready to do your controlled mating, you, you take the mating, the males of whatever species or subspecies you want to use, and you put them in there with them and you tie it off and you wait and you watch and, well, you don't have to watch. I mean, it's some... <laughs> it,
0: it is intimate. Uh,
1: uh, uh, but, uh, don't interrupt. then, uh, after the, uh, uh, you, after, ma- you, if you ver- verified that mating has occurred, you find the egg nests, and you literally clip those off the branch and then you, it's easier if you, one little bud vase will have up to, oh, could have several hundred eggs and that'd be the size of one pair mating pair that may not mate when you get there. So the, the, the idea of the eggs is a much, uh, much more successful way of going.
0: So what, what's the Vegas odds of my guy with a, a truck and a bunch of big nets Getting them to a new region.
1: <laughs> <laughs> not great. Yeah, um, I think yeah. so. So I'm thinking
0: like, so I, I'd assume he'd be taking them from here. Yeah. Uh, well, pretty much this entire region already has them. And they're probably not going
1: to make it past the region, so. Yeah. Well, I mean, uh, we didn't go into this because we haven't published this, uh, written this up yet, but uh, so this is off the record. But in uh, 2002, we took uh, um, Brood... Twenty-three cicadas, and we crossed them with brood five, two thousand two, brood eight cicadas, and we collected the uh, uh, the thirteen-year brood twenty-three cicadas, for getting um, uh, females from Indiana, south southeastern Indiana, and then we took the males from Eastern Ohio mm. and carted them down. We actually both sexes because we wanted to do reciprocal crosses, and we set all that up in Indiana. And then once we got all the, once we got all the egg nests, we literally cut them down and took them to Spring Grove Cemetery. Oh, and so we moved them all to a place where they don't normally occur. Yeah, and we got quite a few after thirteen years. Uh, we only got uh, two or three individuals after th- after seventeen years because again the high mortality in the soil.
0: Yeah, my biggest worry would be taking. So let's say you take a bunch of them to a place where they're not, you they've never been before. Um, one, they could probably all die. So you just wasted however many hundreds of thousands of eggs. But then the other one is, uh, if they emerge and then they mate like crazy how, and they have a massive, you have a massive influx of all these cicadas. How much will that mess up like that certain ecosystem? Now, of course it could have mm. it cause you have
1: yeah, way more aerated uh, soil and whatnot. Uh, but like, And of course what, what, yeah. what helped us out is the fact that when they, those that did emerge, of course we had, we had, uh, uh, traps over them. So they merged into screens, but uh, even if we didn't have the screens there, the numbers that emerged would have all been eaten. Yeah.
0: Well, I guess I pierced my (laughs) point. Thanks for listening to the Brood 10 Cicada Podcast. Our thanks as always to our guest expert, Gene Kritsky. You can still assist Gene's cicada mapping efforts in these final weeks of emergence or future brood emergencies by visiting cicadasafari.org. Be sure to subscribe to the show wherever you get your podcasts, where you can listen to all our previous episodes anytime. We also have a big announcement. Did you submit a question to our Broodx at WVXU.org email that didn't make it into the show? Well, we'll be back for a Facebook live stream in which Gene will answer as many questions as we can in one final lightning round. That's Friday, July 16th at 2 p.m. Eastern Time. Can't make it live? Don't worry. You'll be able to find the stream as a bonus episode in the podcast feed the following week. This podcast is produced by Josh Show with additional support and web assistance from Kevin Reynolds and Jim Nolan. For Cincinnati Public Radio, I'm Corey Sharber, and you've been listening to the Brew 10 Cicada Podcast.